Hey, Kirsty, it's podcast number one. Emergency matters. Let's do this. Welcome to our brand new podcast, Emergency Matters, and thank you for taking the time to stream it. Our aim is to keep you updated with topical issues for our emergency department. So when Kirsty and I conceived this podcast two weeks ago, we were planning to make it about like a broad range of issues facing us, maybe make a podcast once a month. But back then, the coronavirus crisis seemed to be coming at us very slowly and from very far away. But here we are two weeks later, and it's coming at us very fast indeed. So... So it seems smart to make our first podcast about what we're facing. So we've asked Adrian Boyle to talk to us about what's being done to get our department ready for this coming crisis. It's Monday the 9th of March. We have Dr Adrian Boyle with us. Adrian is our emergency department lead. Dr Boyle, what is the trust doing in response to the virus? Okay, so everyone's probably a bit worried. Um, and I want to reassure you there's lots of work going on in the Trust. Oh my word, the meetings I have been to. I've been to <laughs> loads of meetings. There is lots of plans. So the yeah. Trust is doing absolutely masses at the moment. The plans are still fairly flexible at the moment. There's a lot going on and there's a lot up for discussion. However, um, we have a fairly good idea of what this is going to, be, going to do. Um, we are getting ourselves prepared. We are going to be busy and there is a real danger that we will be in what's known as a mid-level pandemic in the next couple of weeks. So we're expecting that we may end up having to admit somewhere between 10 and 15 people with COVID every day. Okay. Some wow. of these guys will be really sick. Yeah. Some of them won't be sick. Yeah. And what, what, what is the plan if they are swabbed and they are unwell? So we, I'm doing a lot of work this week to try and work out a pathway. The hospital is going to establish a probably a COVID cohort ward, which will be on N2. Um, we're, we're just trying to work this out. It will be a much better place. The emergency department is not fit to receive people with suspected COVID for lots of reasons. Now, there will be some people who will come in there, and it is inevitable we will have a case of COVID going through our emergency department. We receive... 350 to 400 patients a day. When this really gets going, it is inevitable there will be somebody going through with COVID. And for, mo for most of us, that will be just fine. It's going to be no worse than a bad cold. But we do need to think about keeping the rest, how we keep the rest of our patients safe. There will be a COVID isolation ward on N2. We're just working out how we get people to there. Can I ask? This is going to be like a, a rising tide kind of major incident. And so we're just going to see it creep worse and worse and worse every day. Are we establishing sort of thresholds where we're going to pull triggers on, on um, like N2 as a ward and, and our own management within the department? Or is it all ready to go now? So it's not necessarily going to be done around triggers. It's going to be done around risk. At the moment, for instance, we're going to be just wearing ordinary surgical masks yeah. because actually the risk of it coming across somebody with COVID it's there, but it's very low. Yeah. As prevalence goes up, we may end up where we all have to wear um, the slightly more involved masks. Um, but it's not going to be done by triggers, it's going to be done by capacity. Right, okay. Okay. 
And who is in charge? Unfortunately, it's me. <laughs> um, so uh, for the medical side, Helen will be in charge for um, the nursing side. We've both made contingency plans if we become unwell, mm. that there are people who will take, step up and take our place. Um, we will be making sure that we communicate very regularly. So this brings into a really important point and something that we're all not that good at, which is checking our emails, because there will be important plans coming through and it's going to plan, the plans will change quite quickly. So the advice we get from Public Health England changes every two days. What may have been up to date two weeks ago is now completely redundant. So it's really important that everybody, when they come to work, they log in and they just spend 10 minutes checking their email to look for any important updates. Are staff going to be given that time to do that? I think staff just have to make the time to do it. Fine. I know staff are really busy, there's never any time to do anything, but um, you know, if I walk around and I see somebody checking their emails, that's okay. If they're booking a holiday or doing their waitress shop, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we all have, we have a nursing handover. We have a, a medical staff briefing at eight o'clock and at two o'clock. Um, can we expect updates then as well? Yes. So we will absolutely try and make sure that we give a clear message out every day. We still don't have much of a message to share with the team. There's a bit. It's been worked out, and I'm hope optimistic by the end of the week it'll be much more defined. Mm. But it's going to take a bit of time to get that done. It seems to me, in terms of the problems we're going to face, there's a couple of particular kinds, and that is the critically ill patient who's got respiratory symptoms because of COVID. And I think we are really working out a nice pathway, and hopefully by the time that's becoming a problem, we'll know exactly what we're doing with that. Yeah. What troubles me more is the patients, who, because it's going to become so prevalent in the community, we're going to see the full gamut of emergency presenting, and those patients are going to have mild to moderate COVID symptoms. Are there contingencies in place to manage this kind of problem? So there are you, the way of looking at it is there's a variety of answers. So remember, actually a lot of this is about making sure our existing systems do what they're supposed to. Yeah. And that will be about GPs offering telephone advice for breathless patients, for patients who phone up because they've got a cold and feel a bit rubbish. Yeah. And the GP should be able to know this patient has COPD, that person is at risk, this person's got heart failure, they're at risk, or this person is a young, healthy person, they shouldn't be at risk and they just need some advice over the phone. So there's a lot going on to stop people coming to the department as much as possible. Okay. I share your absolute anxieties about the patient later on who turns to have COVID, and this will happen at some point. What is going to happen to the case definitions? So the case definition is likely to change. So when we started, the case definition was, have you come from Wuhan and have fevers and have a cough and have a, um, a runny nose and feel ill? That has now expanded to include a whole variety of other countries, Iran, Italy, most of China, most of the countries around China. It's likely fairly soon, the case definition won't be based on geography at all and will be based on respiratory symptoms. Um, and we're still trying to work out what that means because actually a third of the medical take is breathlessness. Mm. Mm. Yes. Half of paediatric attendances are for ERTI type symptoms. Yeah. So we just have to look out, as you said, looking for our emails to tell us. Yes. And it's going to change pretty much regularly until we've got a, a, a clearer plan. There is going to, and the only way to understand what's going on is regular scanning of your emails. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Anything else that you wanted to? Yeah, I know everyone feels very anxious about this. I think it's going to be rocky. We're going to be busy. 
I don't think it's going to be undoable. I think this is a really good hospital and we're going to be able to get through this. We've got lots of very, very clever, committed people in this hospital working on this and I think the plans I'm seeing are very sensible. Okay. Perfect. Lovely. Thank well, you thank very you much, Adrian. For your time. So that was Adrian providing our first concrete insights into what we're facing and how the hospital as a whole is preparing to meet it. It's a certainty we're going to be very busy and with different ways of working. However, our doors never close and it's going to be business as usual in many ways. So to get perspective on the developments in the department, we invited Andy Bailey to talk to us on March the 12th. It's, it's, it's been a busy time, huh? It's been a really, in my five years of working here, six years, coming up to six years, this is the most challenging time I've seen. So what is it? that you, Helen, Adrian, have actually been working on? So we have, uh, over the last week to two weeks, we've been working on a number of different things as this has become more and more public. Um, this week, we were, towards the end of last week, should I say, we recognised that actually the impact of this was going to be quite significant, so we wanted to try and be on top and stay ahead of this as much as possible. So we immediately put in together plans to meet every single day mm. to form an action plan of things we want to achieve over the next coming weeks. And some of them, they were going to be significant actions for this department. Yeah. And so the, the, the key problems are that, number one, we're going to have a lot of patients, a lot more than normal. Yep. And number two, a big proportion of them, or a sizable minority of them, are going to be very sick. Yep. So having to put in plans for, for both those problems. Yep, that's right. Yeah. So right now, uh, the biggest thing we've been working on, which is due to go live tomorrow, is, um, is we're going to move minors. And that's a massive change for the department. We have a, roughly about 100-ish patients go through the minors department yep. every single day. Um, Nick Pettit, David Monk, and lots of the different other services across the hospital have been working on ways on how we can move that rapidly over to over yeah. to the UTC, where they'll be working with the GPs and the ECPs that are already based over there. This will be a good way of reducing the numbers of throughput coming yeah. into our department, and that's what yeah. we want to really cut down on. There's lots of space over in the Clinic 9 in the, in the UTC. Yeah. There are lots of treatment rooms, so it makes absolute sense to move that number of patients out there. Definitely. I am guessing, though, that because it's going to be a bit remote, we're not going to be able to get seniors involved so easily, yep. that we might have to be a bit more selective about who we send down there. And I think it's really worth saying that this is a big step for us. We're, this is not something we've done before, and there's going to be a lot of anxieties around this. Yeah. And those anxieties, are, that, that's not wrong, that's absolutely right, and we need to flag up at all times where we have concerns. And, you know, we need to try and address them. There's going to be a lot of yeah. bumps in the road on this one. Absolutely. And that's, that's the truth. Yeah, and moving staff around, I guess it's inevitable. Well, we might have to experiment and yep. try things, then discover it doesn't work, yep. reassess and try again. So yep. I think it's important that, that, that our staff under yeah. understand that, yep. that it is going to be an experimental time yep. as we work it out. You, you cannot have a department this size with this amount of patients coming through it and expect to divert a big proportion of their patients off and out of this department yeah. and it not expect there to be bumps along the way and I call them bumps and it sounds like I'm underplaying it but actually they're really significant points that we need to keep an eye on. Absolutely yeah so we just need to all be on our toes yeah. and patient I yeah. think is the thing.
And then um, anything else going on? Like I, I believe triage is being worked on. So yes, so Adrian and the rest of the consultant team are working hard on looking at possible ways of having some form of senior doctor triage based outside of mm. A&E. The, the idea behind it is we're trying to prevent patients that come here that are suspected COVID-19 yeah. um, and where we can you know, divert them to the appropriate pathways. And one of those yeah, pathways, sorry. the big pathway that the hospital is working on is um, it's repurposing N2, Ward N2. Yeah. And that, that's all in play at the moment. They're yeah. trying to um, move patients out of N2. Some of them are going on to J3 as a, as a, um, as a decanting sort de of ward. De yeah. Decanting uh, yeah. ward. And then uh, creating that capacity on, tent, uh, on N2 so we yeah. can start streaming patients that meet yeah. that criteria. So we can best prevent those type of patients coming into our department. Now, inevitably, yeah. There will be some that come into our department, particularly if they're critically ill, mm. and we'll need to have plans in place on how we're going to move forward and look after those patients and care for them. That's right. It's the straightforward respiratory cases that are going to go straight into yep. anybody critically ill yeah. is still coming to the emergency department to be cared for by us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and I know that there are other, there are other possibilities being looked at for how we might expand so that we can cohort patients um, but we've got nothing set in stone yet, is that right? Nothing set in stone, but I can promise you this, that um, Helen, Adrian, myself, David, um, Matthew and Nick are all highlighting new ideas and yeah. speaking with staff and, and uh, lots of key players across the department all of the time yeah. to look at ways of creating extra capacity in the emergency department. Absolutely. And, and there's a few, few things sort of in the pipeline at the moment, mm -hmm. but there'll be information coming over it. But I think we're ahead of the game, don't you? I mean, I know that we are, we are, like we've had a couple yeah. of positive COVID patients yeah. in the area now. Yeah. Um, but so far, we're, we're well ahead of the pressure that's on us, if you see what I mean. Our planning is well ahead of the numbers that's arriving at with us now. Yeah, it certainly feels like that. I know a number of other hospitals that are doing slightly different things. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're in contact with a lot of other uh, emergency departments across across yeah. the country yeah. all of the time, you know, communicating with them, hearing what they're doing yeah. and what's working best for them. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And, and, and we're not alone either in that, you know, we are a hospital system and, and, and a healthcare system. Yeah. And we're all working together for this. Like, for example, I think that ambulances are going to make a call on whether or not they can take a patient straight to N2. Yeah. Um, and GP referrals, yeah. they're not sick, can go straight to N2. Yeah. So we are not taking this burden all no. by ourselves. No, our, our, our partners in the, in the system are all working with us on yeah. it. Yeah. And actually, I've never seen any, everybody work together so well before. Do you know what I mean? No. <laughs> and things move so fast. Absolutely, as well. yeah. yeah. And you know what? In times of uh, when, when there's difficulty and there's pressures, this department's always been brilliant at yeah. managing pressure yeah. we work together and 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 that's something we've always done certainly while I've been here I, that's yeah. all I've ever seen is staff staff groups doctors nurses receptionists PAs all of you yeah. all working absolutely together and that's the key but it's going to be business as usual in many many ways we are still going to get ankle fractures yep. and broken noses yep. and head injuries and yep. elderly patients that fall over and the whole the whole range of emergency problems yeah and We've been under a lot of pressure um, this winter, and I believe the trust has recognised that. Is that right? That's, that is. So 
we um, we won this this quarter's uh, You Made a Difference Award, which is absolutely amazing. Um, as, a, as a whole department? As a whole department, yeah. The That's whole department was nominated um, last month for uh, how well we, um, we responded to the pressure of, of the winter. And there was lots of other nominated areas, uh, teams in that. I, I include the reception team in that, who I often call the unsung heroes <laughs> yeah, of the absolutely. department, who are busy sort of getting on behind the scenes and booking and registering patients. You know, you have to be a brain surgeon to be a receptionist now, right? <laughs> um, and I, 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 you know, you put me on that desk, and I wouldn't know. Why. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and, with, and with so many people watching you yeah, do it, you know. Yeah, and the the two one the the, the band seven two one nine team who have coped abnormally during this this yeah. they they they've really worked their socks off, and, yeah. it's, and it's been noticed yeah. by the by the trust. And this is an independent panel that sit yeah. on this on this when they choose. Who wins these awards? It's and really it, nice. The the feedback I've had was it was clearly yes, it's a department nomination, and yes, the department have done absolutely brilliantly mm. in the way they've they've worked over this winter period. Yeah. But there are key elements. There's key players in the in this team that also okay. they want they want to be highlighted separately. And at, those uh, are the guys. Those yeah. are the guys. And there's yeah, a few in, other individuals, the paediatrics team. Uh -huh. There's lots of areas of the department that were nominated separately. It's a fantastic recognition. Yeah, it's brilliant. And there'll be a big, uh, there'll be a big um, celebration toward, or I say a celebration, a, a presentation okay. towards the end of the month where uh, Roland comes down and gives everyone a cake. And oh, brilliant! Yeah, <laughs> it, it has been a tough winter, um, and I know that. Um, we have seen quite a lot of staff sickness yep. and a lot of that has been down to the stress of the pressure we've been under. Yep. And I believe the department is, is aware of that and working on trying to support staff, is that right? Yeah, so we, we've, we've, it's been a slow process but we're working on a number of a couple of different things. What I would say is that now's the time more than ever that we need to look after one another. Yeah. I, I often say that in my department updates is we need to look after another. I'm going to say it again. We do. Yeah. Uh, ev everyone out there is having, you know, has has got something else going on in their lives, or yeah. you know, is having a busy day and a stressful day maybe. And it's it's you need to. We all need to recognise that all of the time. Absolutely. Um. We the we've we've done a number of things. You've probably seen that we've got um, facility assistants in now. So they're working on seven days a week. We originally called them housekeepers. All right. Um. So they're basically there to try and support um, the areas in doing the things that currently nurses or HCAs mm -hmm. have been doing. Yeah. And trying to take some of that work off them. Yeah. So restocking areas, restocking the oh, gloves, yeah. putting the yeah. scrubs away picking the scrubs up, all of that, you know, stuff, cleaning and wiping the trolleys, getting the areas tidy. So we've got that out going out at Bank at the moment and that's that's being filled. It's not quite where I want it to be mm -hmm. or, or where any of us want it to be, but it is out for permanent recruitment at the moment and it, hopefully by the end of the month we'll have some people in them, in them posts where we can properly actually manipulate those roles to be something that the ED really benefits from. So then on top of that, um, I've talked before about having a clinical psychologist in the department mm. that we can sort of signpost staff to to uh, get support. Yeah. We've, the business case is now written, that's now we've act. So we're hoping that we'll get some feedback over the next few weeks, maybe by the end of March, where we can get, we can actually start looking to see if we can recruit 
into that permanently going on into April. That's the hope. We're not yet there over the line with it yet, okay. but it is in progress it's and it's something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say this. You can have walls and rooms anywhere. It's, it's the people here that make an emergency department. And we, as you said, we need to look after ourselves, especially in this kind of anxious time. Definitely, yeah. Okay, well, thanks ever so much for taking the time, Andy. And uh, yeah, I hope you do get some sleep <laughs> in the next few weeks. Thank you. Okay, so that's all the content that we recorded for this podcast and that you can be sure that it's going to change really fast absolutely in the coming days and I bet all of this is out of date a week from today so I think as Adrian and Nick said following our emails and listening to daily updates are, are going to be essential and for all the staff that who don't work regularly and don't have access to their emails at home if there are any key changes we will try and put out an update on our podcast that you can so you can follow at home what's going on you can listen to us whilst doing your dinner, putting the kids to bed, anything like that. Yeah, exactly right, <laughs> driving to work, all of that, yeah. But, you know, the, the, the thing is that this came up on us after we'd planned to do this podcast. And yes. it's not really what we'd intended to do at the beginning, was it? No, no. So I think our idea behind it was we wanted to, to get key pieces of information out, have topical discussions, have you guys involved as well with things that you want to hear about and things that you need updating about. The department is so busy. We have got lots of different things going on and it's sometimes really difficult just to get a grip on things and what's going on really. That's right. I've always particularly felt with emails that we are, we are it's like emails are just like a blizzard now of information and lists and things we have to do and things we have to stop doing and things that we changed since last week. And it's really hard to pick out the really important stuff. And so one of the really key reasons I wanted to make a podcast was to, to, to pick the really important things and then we can highlight them and make clear to staff what's the, the really key things that's going on in the department. And it also makes it a new way of communication and a, hopefully a fun way of communication as well, which just makes it a little bit easier to listen to, to understand and remember. Yeah, as definitely. Well. But I think we're, our, our key idea is that it's, it's not going to be speculative stuff no. it's not going to be one person's opinion mm. we're going to stick really pretty firmly to department policy and you know th things that are in the public domain already like in sort of circular emails and policy documents that sort of thing but just taking the highlights and the key safety issues the key changes so that you guys can really get a grip on mm. what's happening and hopefully from the back of this we could hopefully do a question and answer to sort of tail on to the end of our podcast as well. So if you've heard things that you're not quite sure or things that you feel you need more information or more relevant information to, to talk about, we can also include that as well. That's right. So Kirsty set up a new email address. What is it? It is emergencymatters at gmail.com. So please, this is our call to action to you. If there's things you want to hear about, please do drop us a line at that email, emergencymatters at gmail.com or you can comment on the Facebook, you know, the ED Communications Facebook page where we're going to post a link to mm. the podcasts. Or if you're a part of a project making changes within the department that you want to showcase and get your information out, then by all means, you're more than welcome to come and join us and talk about what you're doing in the department and how we can help. And, and we're going to be finding speakers who will tell us about key quality and safety issues, key projects coming up, initiatives that are coming up in the department, and also, you know, if there's been 
you know, serious incidents to, to share what learning has come out of incident analysis and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And we're hoping to get speakers on who will share specialist knowledge, will um, highlight quality issues, safety issues, initiatives in the department and you know, changes going forward, hopefully. Yeah. Okay, so it's going to be yeah. a busy time, hopefully. <laughs> Very busy time. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this space and we'll, we'll advertise when our next show is going to be get you all involved and hopefully you enjoy it let us know absolutely well thanks for listening thank you and uh, see you well we'll speak to you again soon <laughs> yeah. and we'll see you on the shop floor <laughs>